Praise God. We're back again uh, Sunday. Um, wish everybody was here, but we're still in this uh, pandemic. Uh, everybody's separating, but I know that I've been getting some emails. People are so anxious to get back to church, and you can't believe how much I miss you guys. You know, I was thinking, you know, I love song lyrics, and they pop into my head, and I was thinking about an old hymn that was well, a gospel song. It says, some morning you'll find me touring that city where the Son of God is the light. You'll find me there on the street so pretty, made of gold so pure and so bright, with Jesus the one who gave me the victory, who led me across the divide. Some morning you'll find me touring that city, where with him I shall ever abide. Here on earth we have things that to us seem so heavy, but in heaven no one will be sad. Heaven's gates will be ringing, heaven's praises will be singing for the dearest friend I've ever had. Some morning you'll find me touring that city. And so, you know, with all the stuff that's going on here on earth, um, the Apostle Paul, he said, I am caught between two things. He said, to depart and to be with Jesus, which is much better. Uh, he said, nevertheless, for me to stay here is beneficial for you. So in the concept of eternity and the things that really, really matter, the Apostle Paul made it clear that there's something better waiting for us. But from now until then, I'm not in a hurry to get out of here. I hope you're not. I'd like to keep you around as long as I can. And maybe you want to keep me around. Some of you probably wish I was gone. <laughs> We've all got our, you know, our critics or whatever. But I think they're in the minority. I hope they are anyway. But from now until then, um, I believe goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But you know, I thought about that. Isn't it interesting that David put that in that context, a reference to heaven? Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But what happens if goodness and mercy doesn't follow my life or your life? Because sometimes bad things happen to good people. The Bible says it rains on the just and on the unjust. Now, Wednesday, I quoted a scripture out of John chapter 14, verse 27, and it says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And he starts it off by saying, peace I give you, not the peace that the world gives. Now, you, you gotta listen to what he's saying. He is making a comparison between two different kinds of peace. He said, I'm not giving you the kind of peace that the world gives you. I'm giving you a different kind of peace. And let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so when, when I went back and thought about that, because I, I usually, whatever I preach or teach, I, I teach it over and over for days afterwards, trust me, to, to say, God, did I say the right thing? Did it come out right and all that? And so as I reflected on it, I went back and I realized that's the second time in chapter 14 he made that statement because he starts the chapter off by saying, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, but I go there to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and bring you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. So you see, Jesus is talking about not letting your heart be troubled, not letting your heart be afraid in context to eternity. 
in context to a home in heaven. So why does, why does Jesus say have peace and uses that in context of a place that he has prepared for us? Well, when we look at that, is he promising us a life that's without trouble, a life that is without fearful things? Or is he saying that I am both going to be here because the Bible teaches us that he is a constant help in our time of need. That he said, he said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to pray to the Father. He's going to send you the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he's going to lead you. He's going to teach you. He's going to comfort you. He's going to empower you. And so he, he does all of those things, but he also promises us something that is far better. He promises us something that is eternal with God in heaven. Now, I want to I want to look at uh, what that's talking about. If we can kind of get a better understanding of what Jesus is saying and why he is saying that in that context, to understand first of all how, how we get to enter into that promise. One of the scriptures that is the go-to scripture for most Christians is John chapter three verse sixteen. It says, "For God." so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him. Now that, everybody say believe, all right? I'm just gonna pretend you're here and you're, everybody's saying believe, all right? That whosoever believes in him will not perish. Say, I'm not gonna perish, but will have everlasting life. Everybody say everlasting life. Because those three things are the three things I wanna look at for just a minute. You will not perish. You will have everlasting life if you believe. Now, those who are spiritually minded and those who are only think in terms of the natural world might say, well, that's nonsense. If you're not spiritually minded, you're thinking in terms of this natural world, you say that's nonsense because everybody's gonna perish. What does he mean? You're not gonna perish. You're gonna have everlasting life. What are you gonna live forever on earth? And that's not what he is saying at all. Because there's a, there's a difference between dying and perishing. Yes, it's true. Everybody is going to die. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it's appointed unto man once to die and after death the judgment. But dying is not perishing. Dying is simply stepping out of one realm into a different realm. People that have died, they, they haven't perished. People that have died have just stepped into a different realm. We know that from the 12th chapter of Hebrews. Because if you read the 11th chapter, it's what we call the hall of faith. And it talks about all the people that's gone on before us in the Old Testament period. And then it comes into chapter 12, verse 1. It says, wherefore, seeing that we are compassed about with this great cloud of witnesses, talking about those people that have already died. He said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that's set before us looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So we know that people that died, they didn't perish. They just went into a different realm, a different dimension, a different uh, a spiritual form. And, and they have bodily forms just like we have. Actually, we see Jesus when he resurrected, he, he was standing before the disciples. He said, touch me. I'm flesh and bone like you. They gave him bread and he ate bread right in front of them. So he, he was in a bodily form as we will be. When the disciples was with Jesus, they saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw Moses and Elijah, two people that's been dead for a long time, but they hadn't perished. They are just in a different realm, but they're still here. 
And, and so the same thing is true with everyone that perishes. Well, the Bible tells us that after Jesus rose out of uh, rose from the dead out of the grave, it says that the graves opened up, and many people who had died were seen walking the streets of Jerusalem after his resurrection. So, so we know the point I'm making is we don't just perish. And what are you saying? You're not going to perish, but you're going to have everlasting life. And so with that in mind, he's, I want to look at this a little carefully. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him. Well, what does that mean to believe in him? I, I preached a sermon some time ago entitled Missing Heaven by 18 Inches. That's the difference, the distance from your heart to your head because much of the world thinks, well, all I've got to do is give mental ascension to the truths about Jesus. And, and there's people that believes in his pro, the, the prophetic coming of Jesus, all the prophetic images of him. They, they believe that he was born of a virgin. They believe that he lived a sinless life, that he spoke in parables, he did miracles. He was uh, uh, the sacrificial lamb that, of the Passover, that he was illegally arrested, illegally tried, illegally executed, crucified, buried, rose from the dead, ascended into the heaven and sits on the right hand of God. And they believe in their head all of those things, but it's doing them no good. Because there's a difference between believing something with your mind and giving mental ascension to that than believing it in your heart and not really turning your life around and committing your life to Christ because repentance is a huge part of salvation. Jesus, the very first words out of his mouth in his earthly ministry was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He, 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 puts, it, he puts it this way in Matthew, Matthew chapter 15. He, he says in verse seven, well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me and in vain they worship me teaching his doctrines, the commandments of men. Because there's people that just think, well, as long as I just acknowledge that that's true, I'm good with God. And, and I urge you to reconsider that because you need to commit your life to him. The Bible says repent. That means you turn from your sin and you turn to Christ. You have to walk away and separate yourself from the world. That's an act that only you can do. And God encourages us to do that. It's what repentance means. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? We've cast out demons in your name. We've done many wonderful works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, Whosoever hears these sayings, listen, I'm talking about not just hearing with your, with your natural thinking. See, Jesus is making a, different, a comparison between understanding things in the natural realm and, and perceiving things in the spiritual realm. Everything that he teaches, he teaches with an eternal precept, an eternal concept, an eternal context, everything. And so he said, if you have ears, uh, whosoever hears these sayings of mine 
and he does them. I will liken him like a wise man who builds his house on a rock and the rain descends. Everybody say the rain's going to descend. All right. And the floods came. The floods are going to come. And the wind blew and it beat on the house and it did the house uh, did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and it beat on the house and it fell and great was its fall. So you see, there's a difference between understanding things in the natural realm and then hearing God and understanding things in the spiritual realm. And, and what Jesus is pointing out in all of this is that he wants us to understand spiritual things. So three things that we're looking at. Number one, you will not perish. He said, you're not going to perish. You're going to step into a different dimension somewhere. Either you're going to spend eternity somewhere. We all will. Uh, the second thing he said, you're going to have everlasting life if you believe. Now we've touched on belief. We've touched on the fact that you're not going to perish. But let's look for a minute at everlasting life. Because we are not, we're not limited to this natural world. But the problem that we have, guys, is we are so fixed on this natural world. And we try to understand and perceive everything in association to this natural world. And then when Jesus starts talking to us about spiritual things, we, we don't understand that. Because when Nicodemus, who was a, he was a teacher of the, of the law, he knew the scriptures, came to Jesus and said, what must I do to have eternal life? He said, Nicodemus, you, you have to be born again. And he said, well, how can I enter the second time into my mother's womb? He said, no, that which is born naturally or of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit, Nicodemus is spirit. He said, don't you understand these things? He said, if I tell you earthly things and you don't understand how will you understand if I tell you heavenly things? You see, God doesn't want us to be so fixed just on this natural world that we don't understand what he's trying to get through to us. That there, there's a difference between this natural peace that the world offers, this natural security that the world offers, and the peace that God gives us that surpasses our understanding. The joy that he gives us that is unspeakable and, and can't be... Uh, you can't compare that. So Colossians chapter three, verse one says, set not your heart, uh, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated on the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. So we spend our time thinking about and working on and, and building this life here, forgetting that, this life is just temporary. The Bible says it's like a vapor of smoke. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. You know, we was talking about this coronavirus thing today and my wife said, you know, I wonder what my dad would think about that if he was still here. And she said, but you know what? He doesn't know any of this is going on because he is touring that city with us where the saints of God have arrived. You know, he's there on the street so pure, made of gold so pure and so bright. With Jesus, the one who gave us the victory. So, you know, I remember him. I remember my dad. He's gone on to be with the Lord. My children remember him. But my grandchildren, they don't know who he is. 
My great-grandchildren, they don't know who my dad is. And they will forget those people. But isn't it good to have a peace to know that one day I'm going to get to meet all of my ancestors that love the Lord and serve God. They will not be forgotten because the Bible says there's books in heaven and everything that you're doing is being recorded in those books. And one day those books will be open and you will be rewarded out of those books for the good that you've done. And so this life is just temporary. We're passing through. We want it to be good. We want it to be trouble-free and have peace that this world gives us. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I believe that. I claim that. I pray for that. I trust God for that. But what if it doesn't? What happens when that doesn't happen? What do you do? See, there are... There are pastors, and, and I'm not trying to criticize anybody. I'm not trying to make myself any higher or better than anybody, but they're, they're, they're putting out this life enhancement message. Come to Jesus. He'll give you peace and joy and lasting happiness. And, and, and they don't teach it in balance because, yes, he gives you peace. He gives you joy. He gives you happiness. But sometimes bad things happen to good people. You know, and they want to say, well, you don't have enough faith and this and that. Well, excuse me, but I don't think the disciples got that memo. Every last one of them died a horrible death. Are you telling me they didn't have enough faith? I mean, there's a, there's a balance in this. And when bad things happen to people, we can't beat them over the head and say, well, if you just had more faith, if you trusted God as if something they did was wrong, when they didn't do anything wrong. Just sometimes things just doesn't go the way we always think and hope that they will. So what, what do you do with that? Well, uh, I don't know how long I've gone. I'm going to probably go a little longer than I meant to today, but just, just stay with me because I think this is important that we know this. Some time ago, there was a guy named Ray Comfort that did a great message on this called Hell's Best Kept Secret. And he was talking about at the turn of the century, the message of the gospel began to change where people started teaching life enhancement message, you know, that there's a Jesus-sized vacuum in your heart. Just come to Jesus and he'll feel that emptiness in your life, which that's true. I mean, there is an element of truth in that. But they, sometimes people come to Jesus and they don't have peace and joy and lasting happiness. They have trials and tribulations and struggles and suffering. And then they're like, what's the deal? I thought you told me I was going to have peace and joy and lasting happiness. All I've had is the devil on my case ever since I came to Jesus. You know, and then they feel like you've lied to them, you've betrayed them, because you haven't told them the truth. Sometimes things happen and we have to understand what do we what do we do what do you do with that you know and, and and there is an answer to that the answer is Jesus gave us a peace it's not the peace that this world gives you what do you do when that peace comes crashing in the, the worldly the natural concept of peace that we have it comes crashing in because all of a sudden you don't have a paycheck because this virus has caused your job to lay you off and you don't know how you're going to pay your bills or, or you get sick with this virus or somebody you know gets sick. And what do you do with that? You know, your peace just come crashing in. Guys, I'm here to tell you that Jesus gives you a peace that supersedes that. It's, it's beyond that. It's a peace that surpasses our understanding. And he can give you a peace in the midst of that storm. You know, we sing a song, he's with me in the fire. Talking about the three Hebrew children. He's with me in the flood. He's with me in the stormy seas. I heard a great preacher one time preach. He works the midnight shift. And he's talking about the, the disciples in the, 
boat and they're rowing towards shore. They're doing all they can do in the natural. And I encourage you to do that. Everything you can do in the natural, do it. Row towards shore. But Jesus comes at midnight in the stormy sea walking on the water. And he gets in the boat and instantly they're at the other side. He gets in the boat in the stormy sea and says, peace, be still. And in the midst of the storm, God changes it. He gives them peace that supersedes this natural world, this natural peace. Now we should always believe God for peace and joy and lasting happiness and blessing and victory and all those things. We should, I believe God for those things, but we never overrule the sovereignty of God because sometimes God just says no. I mean, you're praying and you're saying, God, please do this. And he's, no, no I'm not gonna do that. I mean, the apostle Paul said he was caught up into the third heaven. He saw things that he couldn't even talk about. And he said, lest I be lifted above measure, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. And he said, I went to God three times, said, God, take this from me. And God said, no. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. And whatever that thorn in the flesh was, people debated that for, for centuries. I don't know, it doesn't matter. The point is, God said no to his prayer. He asked him and God told him no. Sometimes God says no because he's judging sin that you've done. Now we want to comfort people. It's like, well, I should, God's judgment is on me. Well, sometimes it is. I'm sorry to say, but sometimes, look at David. David looked at a woman and lust. His faithful soldier was out in the battlefield fighting for David, her husband. He takes her and lays with her. She gets pregnant. He has her husband murdered. He takes her as his wife. And then the prophet comes and says, because of what you've done, David, the sword's never going to leave your house. And that ch the child that's going to be born is going to die. And David fasted and went before God, said, pre-adventure, maybe God will spare his life. And God said, no. And the child died. I mean, look at Jesus. The scripture that I read you Wednesday, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, was the last conversation Jesus had with the disciples before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. I want you to think about this. The man that just told them, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, only hours later will be in the Garden of Gethsemane and he will take Peter, James, and John with him and take them aside and say, pray with me. Watch, for my soul is sorrowful even unto death. And he goes and says, God, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And he comes back and they're sleeping. He said, couldn't you watch for one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. He goes away and prays the same prayer the second time, said, if it's not possible, but that this cup pass from me, let your will be done. He comes back and they're sleeping. He says, sleep on for that. I've been betrayed into the hands of, of men. And he goes away for the third time and prays the same prayer again. The point I want you to see is the man who just told them, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, is afraid. And he is sorrowful. He is troubled to the point of death. But you see, that experience was in this natural realm. But once, once he comes to the point, he's like, whatever your will is, God, I yield to your sovereignty. And maybe it's not going to turn out the way that I want it to. It's not my, his will was not to go through that. He said, not my will. What was his will? That this cup passed from me. I don't want to do this. But if it's your will that I go through this, then that's what I'm going to do. And a peace 
came upon him that he was able to, God gave him the grace to be able to do what he did. And, and guys, what I'm telling you is that God gives you the grace to do what you have to do because he gives you a peace that surpasses understanding is a peace that the world can't give you. That peace is going to come crashing in on people sometimes. And when it does, there's another peace that God gives us that surpasses that. I mean, when we look at the, the apostles, every one of them, the, the, the very guys that he said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Every one of them faced a horrible, tragic death. They, they were beheaded. They were beaten with, with clubs, some of them. They were speared. Some of them were stabbed to death. One guy was filleted alive in India. They were, two of them were crucified. I mean, they died horrible, horrible deaths. But they all had a peace that this world could not give them. Now, I'm going to close with one thing. I just want, I brought something in I wanted to show you. Can you hear that? Isn't that beautiful? Well, the reason I show you that, actually, you see this plate on the top of it? I just made that because um, it had a wooden plate on it that it, it fell out of the tree and it broke. About 13 years ago, there was a man in my church. He served on our board, and I can't think of a man that I know that is a more godly man. I don't know anybody that has ever said anything bad about Jeff Lane. I don't know anybody that could say anything about him. He, he was the epitome of a disciple of Christ. His knowledge and depth in the scripture is it's, it's legendary to those that benefit from his teaching. Just a godly, godly man. He and his wife, Lisa, both. When they first came to the church, they just had this presence about them. And they were just standing off, they quiet, you know. But he come to be just a solid fixture in our church until the company he worked for transferred him to Georgia, where he's been. And we stayed in touch with him. Well, the last week that they were here, just before they were going to move, they came by the house. And I had a chime like that in the tree, and the wind blew it. And we're sitting outside, and they said, that is beautiful. So I just went over and took it down. I said, here, take that with you. And they said, no, pastor, we can't take your chime. I said, no, please do. I said, it has no spiritual attachments. I don't believe any spiritual attachments to that. It's just a beautiful instrument. makes a beautiful sound. And that's all it is to me. And I said, well, take it with you. And when you put it up in a tree or somewhere, and when you hear that chime, just, just remember Jeannie and I in the church and pray for us. It's been hanging on their back porch for 13 years. And they said, when it plays, they think about us and they pray for us, you know. It's a great reminder to prayer. I think it's a good thing. And so I just went out and bought another one just like it and hung it up in the, at the house there. And uh, it's been broken now for, a, I don't know, a year or so. And I just hadn't got around to fixing it. But Wednesday, when I left here after making this recording, I got a phone, I got, <laughs> I got a phone call from, excuse me, from Lisa that Jeff had died from the coronavirus. He was 56 years old, perfect health. It was just a shock to all of us, you know. And so I'm still sorrowful. He was my friend and a good brother in Christ, you know. So I got that wind chime back out. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix my chime up and I'm going to hang it back up and, and uh, just so I can remember to pray for Lisa and pray for his sisters and, and other people. I mean, there's people suffering uh, that's out of work and, and 
you know, people that are sick from this, and there's thousands of people dying from this coronavirus. It's, it's a horrible thing, you know. And so what do you do? When, when you hear something like that, it's like, God, he was such a wealth of information and Bible knowledge. It's just, I don't understand that. But I'm here to tell you guys that there's a peace that the world can't give you. Because when you hear that, the world's peace, it comes crashing in. As these tears show, it, it's a, it crashes in. It's like Jesus in the garden, like, I don't want to do this. God, your will supersedes my will. I don't know why my friend died. I don't. I don't understand that. I can't get my mind wrapped around that. It's still a shock to me, but there's a peace in the midst of that that God knows, and there's some purpose for it all, and we have to just trust God. And he does give us a peace. I had a great conversation with Lisa, and, and she's doing really well. Those of you that know her, just keep praying for her. Not just her only, but there's a lot of people that have lost loved ones, you know. They're hurting right now. And, and what's sad about that, guys, is there are so many people that's in the world, and they don't have the peace that God gives like you and I do. You know, if, if, if somebody dies like that, that didn't know Christ, then there's no hope of me ever seeing them ever again. You see, I don't have that hopelessness when it comes to the memory of my friend because I know that I will see my friend Jeff again. I know that he's, he's touring the streets of that city where the Son of God is the light. He's there on the streets so pure, pretty, made of gold so pure and so bright. With Jesus, the one that gives us the victory, I know that he's there. See, that's the peace that I'm talking about. So I want to just leave you with this. I don't know who I'm talking to, who's listening to this, but if you're just believing in your head, that's going to get you nowhere. God wants you to commit your life to him. And if you will commit your life to Christ, you will give your heart to him. He'll give you that peace that I'm talking about. He said, my peace I give you, not the peace that the world gives, give I unto you. But I leave my peace with you so that you will not be troubled and you will not be afraid. And if everything in this world goes wrong, if the absolute worst happens, guys, this is just for, a, it's a vapor. It's gone just a moment. When I die, my children will remember me. My grandchildren will remember me. But my great-grandchildren, they won't remember my great-great-grandchildren, many people after me, they won't remember me. But one day, we will all be together again. Isn't that such a great, great comfort to know that? And I have that comfort with my friend Jeff and with all those that has gone on to be with the Lord. And I hope that you can have that comfort too. Let me pray with you. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before your throne, God. I lift up Lisa to you, God. I pray a strength and a comfort, a peace to come over her, over Jeff's sisters and his family, God. Let your peace come upon them, O oh God. Father, we pray that you put an end to God. Bring an end to this suffering, we ask God. Oh God, have mercy, Lord. God, we pray for our president, Lord. We pray for Mike Pence, God. We pray for the Senate and the House, God. We continue to lift them up as they're making decisions, God, that affects us all. God, we're praying for every 
uh, leader in a, on the state level and the county level, local levels, God. Guide them, Lord. Give them wisdom. God, we pray for the law enforcement, Lord, that's having to be exposed to this, God. We pray for those in the medical world, God, who are the soldiers on the very front line battling this thing, God. Lord, they're getting weary and they're getting tired, Lord. They can't even go home to their families, Lord. God, there's so many people suffering, Lord. We pray for those, Lord, whose income has been affected by this. They don't have the, the money coming in. They don't know what they're going to do. Lord, provide for them, Lord. God, we pray for those that are sick, God. We pray that you heal them, God. Raise them up off of their sick bed, oh, Lord. God, we pray for those, Lord, that uh, are, have lost loved ones, God. Lord, we pray that you comfort them, Lord. Lord, you, we pray that you would just give them a, a, a hope and a future, Lord. And God, if their loved one didn't know Jesus, God, we pray that you just make this a wake-up call for them, Lord, that they will turn to you, God, in this moment. God, we pray for a revival to break out in, in America and around the world, to realize, God, this should be a wake-up call, Lord, because as I mentioned in a previous uh, session, God, this is nothing compared to what the Bible foretells will happen, God. So, Lord, awake, awake the people, God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord. And God, until then, Lord, I pray that that peace, God, that you have promised, God, will just come upon every single person, Lord, whatever they may be facing. Lord, if nobody is going through the struggle, God, their paychecks are still coming in, their body is healthy, Lord, make them mindful to be helpful and thoughtful and prayerful for other people, God, so that we're not just selfish and in our own little world, say everything's good with me and not, not be concerned about others, Lord. Help us to reach out to help those who are hurting and who are in need, if we can, in Jesus' name. God bless you. Till we meet again.